like that. You want to What's up, everybody, that. and welcome it's to like this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. We have made it, ladies and gentlemen, to a football Friday. Oh, my goodness, it's the best time of the week. Actually, no. Why am I saying that? I mean, Fridays are nice. Fridays are nice. People like Fridays. It's the last day of the work week. Like You, got, you love all that stuff. But Saturdays and Sundays are the two best days of the work week. I can understand... To a certain extent, why a lot of people wouldn't be necessarily the, the most fond of Sundays, because it's kind of like a precursor to Monday. Like, you got one more sleep, you can't really do anything that exciting or that late into the evening, because you know you got to get up to work for the next, you got to get up to work the next morning. So I could see where that one would be, but Saturdays, man. Football Fridays, the precursor to Saturday, like, it's, maybe that's why people like it, I don't know. Because <laughs> you still got, you still got to work, and you still got to do, like, like, if people are in school, you still got to go to school. I guess Friday Night Football is pretty fun. I'm going to be up in Cedar Falls calling the Cedar Falls Tigers football game. They're playing the Valley Tigers, so it's Battle of the Tigers and the Unidome. Yeah, Valley, they upset Pleasant Valley this past weekend. And Cedar Falls, I think we talked about this on Wednesday. Cedar Falls, of course, beat Ankeny Centennial, which we called last week. This will be my last Cedar Falls Tiger game of the year. We're busy the next two weekends, if they do, in fact, win. Because there, there's a chance they lose. So by that by that notion, and then of course, yes, it's gonna be my last game regardless, because Cedar Falls won't be playing one more games. But if they win, I can't do any more games anyways. I'm gonna be out of town and I've got some stuff coming up next weekend as well that'll keep me preoccupied, I guess you could say. But before we get into today's football Friday edition of the Logan Blackman show, let's go over some housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow the Logan Blackman show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and of course Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Twitter, you can find me at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan, with the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show One. And speaking of Instagram, or the show's Instagram account, you can find blog posts there, and you can find blog posts on the Facebook account as well, which is Logan, the Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you follow that. The YouTube channel, search Logan Blackman Show, subscribe to that, watch a few videos as well. And of course, the most important thing, it's what you're listening to right now. So if you think you are, but you're not, you might as well just go check. Might as well go check that you're subscribed to the Logan Blackman Show and leave a rating on five stars on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. Okay. Now, I, I with Football Friday, I think we're going to do it a little bit differently than what I've done in the past. Like, normally we end the segment with the quarterback prospect rankings for the week, but today I think we're just going to start with it because I saw something on Twitter a little bit ago, and it's something that we kind of touched on. No, we touched on it for a little bit. It was a big segment. I guess on two on Wednesday's show, and that's the the draft stock rankings between Will Levis of Kentucky and Hendon Hooker at Tennessee. Now, if you watched the game last Saturday between Kentucky and Tennessee, one thing was apparently obvious, very obvious. Hendon Hooker in the Tennessee Vols ass blasted the Kentucky Wildcats and Will Levis on Saturday night. That's obvious. It was at Neyland Stadium. Raucous crowd. Tennessee had their way. Kentucky went down the field score early. Tied. The, uh, I, I I did this on Wednesday. Almost tied the game. Almost tied the game. They got to six to seven, but then after that, um, Tennessee kind of had their way with the Kentucky Wildcats defense. The offense for Kentucky couldn't do anything. Will Levis had a terrible ass game on Saturday through three interceptions. One of them I'm not really going to put on him. I I can make a really a. I can see where people can make a strong or make an argument that all three of them were on him, but the first one bounced off the receiver's head, essentially. Went right through his hands, bounced off his head, got a massive hit from a Tennessee defender as well. So it's not really on Will Levis or the receiver. I could see where people would go, oh, Will Levis doesn't need to lead his receiver right into the path of a defender. That's fine. That's fine. I can understand what you're saying that, but it was just a well-timed hit by the Tennessee defender, and it just landed right in the arms of the Tennessee, the other Tennessee defender. Right in the red zone as well, which could have been 
a big game changer for the Kentucky Wildcats because maybe they stay in it longer. They maybe not do as well, but you get it in, you throw an interception or turn the ball over in the red zone, that is a big momentum killer for everything else that's going to happen in the game. Big-time momentum killer. Big-time momentum It doesn't matter when it happens. Just the fact that it did happen is bad and not great, <laughs> not great in general. Just the fact that it happened. Then the second one, of course, he threw a ball really late. Uh, Kentucky does a lot of five-step drops. If I'm remembering, I'm trying to flash back to the, the game. Kentucky does a lot of five-step drops, three- to five-step drops. Ran a hitch run on the outside on the top near the far side of the field. Five-step drop, threw it late. Defender jumped it easily, which is those hitch routes and those comeback routes. We're going to go to quarterback school for here for a little bit. So what you're taught when you're young, or not even, I guess it's something you kind of learn as you get older, is timing is everything. Timing is very, very important, especially on these throws where you've got a drop, where you're dropping back three to five steps, and then you've got a comeback route or a hitch route. These types of routes you cannot wait to throw because the longer you wait, the receiver's not going anywhere. The receiver has made his break. He's cut back. He's sat where he's at. He's not going anywhere unless he tries to make a move upfield, but the defender's already behind him, so he makes the move upfield. Guess who's right on him? The defender. It's very rare for a receiver to break away from that if a defender is, oh, you're right in front of me, or you're going to try and break away. Well, I'm already three yards back of you. So if you throw the ball late, that defender's going to jump the ball almost probably about 75 to 80% of the time if you throw it late. Like, there's a chance that it, the defender falls over or something and things like that. Things can go, like, you get, it's one of those things where you better be lucky than good, where you're lucky, like the defender fell over. There's things like that that can happen, but most of the time, you throw the ball late, or you have a five-step drop, and you're looking to the right side of the field, transition to the left, you ran a hitch right, you throw it, boom, jumped, like it happened on Saturday with t- Kentucky and Tennessee. But these five-step drops, it has to be right on the break. Right, 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 on the break. And Levis knows this. Levis is no, um, no, what do you, what do you want to call it? He's not a novice to the quarterback position. You can't get to playing in the SEC. We're not even talking about draft stock. You can't be a quarterback in the SEC without knowing the general <laughs> rules of playing quarterback. And Levis is one of the top dudes in the SEC. And people are looking at his statistics this season. His statistics aren't great. And I saw a graphic today. It happened like right before I started recording this show. Right before. It was a tweet. I saw the tweet late. The tweet was made at noon today. So November 3rd, 2022. It's made at noon. Exactly noon. And Mel Kuyper released his, you know, his quarterback big board. I don't know if he released it. It's been pretty consistent. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is new because I remember Hendon Hooker was a little bit further down. I think he had Tyler Van Dyke. At number five, the last time I checked. So it's, it's the general consensus top five. But a lot of people are upset with this because he has Levis at number two. Oh, he didn't even talk about the, th- the third interception. He just short-armed it. It was, a, it was a fade route down the left side, the far sideline. Just short-armed it. Bad throw. Bad throw. Which is weird for Levis because he arguably has the strongest arm out of the quarterbacks that are listed in his top five apart from uh, Anthony Richardson. If I had to rank it an arm talent, like just pure... Arm strength, you would go Richardson, Levis, Young, Stroud, Hooker, if I had to guess, or had to guess, if I had if I saw their arm strength. But that again, like we talked about with uh, like Malik Willis and Carson Strong, I still think Car- Hendon Hooker throws the best deep ball, which is weird to say. And I understand that doesn't make a lot of sense. His deep balls are just on time. Tennessee, as we've talked about before, is extremely fast-paced. 
the play is going to be there. You just got to be quick enough to realize where the play is going to happen because you don't have enough time to make pre-snap reads. I I dare you. And Tennessee is not a hard team to watch. It's, it's a very, it's a relatively easy team to cheer for, to watch, to do everything. They're fun. But I watch, and, and I want you to note this. You can tend to stop watching everything. I would be able, I would bet, I don't have the exact numbers, that it is two to three seconds ball snap play goes. So it's all timing. It's like the Joe Montana, Bill Walsh offense with the San Francisco 49ers in the 80s. All timing. And Hendon Hooker's quick enough to know the exact times, to know the drops. And when you're not doing five-step drops, three-step drops, everything's out of the shotgun, you're not doing drops, really. He does a couple drops here and there, two-step drops, three, some three-step drops when they're going really deep. But a lot of Hendon Hooker's throws are off solid platform, no dropbacks or anything like that. But when he has the timing down, when you have that, you know where you're going to throw it initially. You see the matchup instantly. you got to go, snap, throw, Jalen Hyatt, down the near sideline, fade route, easy. Jalen Hyatt's one of the fastest receivers in college football. Same thing goes for Cedric Tillman. Like, it's easy picking there. But I don't think Hendon Hooker necessarily has the strongest arm. It's, it's not even saying, him being at five is not a diss. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a diss at all. It's not a diss. And when people look at this list, you see the likes of, and the two, the two names that are the problem here for a lot of people out there, is Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. Because the stats for both these guys, I will, I'll be very candid. I'll be very candid. The stats do not serve these two particularly well, okay? I'm not naive to the fact that their stats do not compare to like, like let's, let's read the stats here real quick, just for the, the top three for most people out there. C.J. Stroud, best statistical quarterback in this entire draft, 29 touchdowns, four picks. Like, he's putting on a clinic. He's been consistent all year. I don't think he played as, like, against Iowa. I don't think he played the best game. And I think against Ohio State, which is weird, this is, I'm going in order of what he has them. It's not the exact order that, so, like, his, with Stroud, Young, and Hooker, it goes in that order, Stroud, Young, Hooker. We'll talk about Levis and Richardson here in a little bit. But the thing where it made me really drop Stroud from one to two, because I think Stroud's really good. I don't want to take anything away from Stroud. I'll bet he finished second in the Heisman Trophy race this year, statistically. There's not a lot of better players. There's not a lot of players playing better than C.J. Stroud. When we're talking about draft stock, the things that I like Bryce Young more than C.J. Stroud at this point in time. So Young's three. Young has got 18 touchdowns, three interceptions on the season. He also didn't play a game against uh, Texas A&M. I'm trying to remember which game that was. Texas A&M because he got hurt against Arkansas. So he missed half a game against Arkansas. Missed the entire game against A&M. So his numbers are not going to be as high as the likes of Stroud and Hendon Hooker. And really with Hendon Hooker, he's only three touchdowns behind Hooker. Hooker really didn't get into stride in regards to throwing a crap ton of touchdowns a game until the Alabama game, which is a hell of a game to decide to start. You know what? We're going to throw more than two touchdowns a game. Because there was an impressive stretch where Hendon Hooker threw two touchdowns, and I think, I don't remember what week they played Alabama. It was like four or five straight weeks. No picks, two touchdowns. No picks, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions on the season. So yeah, it was five. I remember 10 touchdowns, no picks. That's what I remember from Hooker. But with Stroud versus Young, we're just going to stick with Stroud and Young because preseason, that's what everybody said. And I, I think it's, depending on who you ask, though, I would say most people out there stick Young and Stroud at one and two and whatever order you want to throw them in. It's not really crazy to me if you put Stroud at one or Young at one. It doesn't bother me. I like both of them. I think they're very good, and I think we'll finally 
get to see a Big Ten quarterback get drafted in the top ten because I there's it's been a long ass time since a Big Ten quarterback's been drafted in the top ten. I cannot necessarily name one. Well, I, I know one. Jeff George got drafted in the '90s first overall. Is he the last Big Ten quarterback to get drafted first overall? Or am I completely blind? So let's <laughs> let's go back on the quarterbacks who got drafted number one. We'll go back in time. Back in time. Try to go. <laughs> trying to go in order. So we got last year. Who was last year? <laughs> Trayvon Walker. So no. Then we had Lawrence. Before Lawrence, we had Burrow. Before Burrow, we had Murray. Murray, we had <laughs> Baker. Before Baker, we had Miles Garrett. Before Baker was Goff. Yeah, Goff was my senior year of high school. Cal. So I guess I should have said the colleges too, but we'll start now. We'll start now. There was Goff. Winston was 2015. He was from Florida State. 2014, I believe, was Jadavian Clowney. 13 was Eric Fisher. I remember that one. 12 was Luck, Stanford. 11 was Bradford? Or was 11 Newton? 10 was one of those. 10 and 11 is Bradford Newton. Neither one of those guys played for a Big Ten school. Nine is Stafford because he was drafted at the 0 16 Lions team. Now we're getting a little. So who was 08? Was that Jake Long? Jake Long away? Was it Jake Matt? No, Jake Matthews wasn't. Jake Matthews was taken by the Falcons. Jake Long was first overall around that time. Who would have been before Stafford? Who would have been like 07? Who was bad in 07? Because I know 05 is Alex Smith. 06 was Mario Williams, because that was the Vince Young year with Leinert. Neither one of those guys are <laughs> Big Ten quarterback. Jay Cutler was in there 07. Who the hell was 07? Oh, 07. This one's bothering me. I don't think it was a Big Ten quarterback. I don't even know. I can't even remember if it was a quarterback. 07. Do I have to look this one up? No, 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 Logan. We're not looking it up. We're not looking it up. 07. Oh! Jamarcus Russell. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Not a big He lost to a Big Ten school. Lost to Iowa in the Capital One Bowl. Went uh, Tate to Holloway. That awesome play. So we had 06. We had Williams. 05 was Alex Smith. 04 was, uh, was that Manning? Yeah, Manning was 04. Eli Manning. 03 was Palmer. 02 was Carr. 2001 was Vic, because that was LaDainian Tomlinson's draft. None of those guys are Big Ten quarterbacks. 2000 was Courtney Brown from the, from Penn State, drafted by the Browns. 99 was Couch, because that was Couch, McNabb, Achilles Smith. That was the year the Saints traded their entire draft to get <laughs> Ricky Williams because the Eagles passed on him, and they booed Donovan McNabb that draft. What year are we on? We're in 99. 98 was Manning. Um... And 2000 was also, that was like 2013, where we only had one quarterback draft in the first round, in 2022, I guess. And it was Chad Pennington was drafted, I think, 16th. CJ Manuel was drafted 16th. And Kenny Pickett was obviously drafted 20th. Brady was drafted in 2000. 97, the year I was born. I know Jim Druckenmiller was in that draft, but he wasn't drafted first. I think he was drafted like 28th or something. Uh, Easy Eddie, spark me. Um... 97. You would think you know the year you were born. 97. Was this Jeff George? No, 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 no. It wasn't Jeff George. I made a tier list. I created a tier list with this. 
where it was going back, uh, ranking the first quarterback taking the draft. Jim Drunkenmiller was drafted by the Niners. I can't. Remember, I think he. I don't remember what school he went to, but he was on that tier list. He was on that tier list. Ninety-seven. Who the hell was in ninety-seven? Was that the Charles? Was that the Charles Woodson draft? Or was that ninety-eight? Charles Woodson wasn't drafted no, first overall. I'm not saying that he was drafted. I think fifth by the Raiders. That was ninety-eight or ninety-seven. Because no, it had to be ninety-eight. Because Manning, Manning, leave Randy Moss were in that Heisman ceremony with Charles Woodson when he won it, and all three of those the guys leave. One with Manning. Who was ninety-seven though? Is another offensive lineman, or am I just? Is this? This isn't. I know this isn't Jeff George. I know this isn't Jeff George. Ninety-six. Man, my loss now. Have I? If I am I done out? Oh no 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 no! Ninety-six was. Bloodsoe, I think no, Bloodsoe was ninety four because Bloodsoe played in the Super Bowl against the Packers, and that was mid nineties. Because we're going Super Bowls, ninety nine Super Bowl was Rams Patriots, and that was Brady. Then you had back to back Elway Super Bowls against the Falcons and Packers, so that would rule out ninety seven for Bloodsoe. Ninety six was that Cowboys Steelers, or was that ninety five? Was Packers Patriots ninety six? And then Cowboys Steelers ninety five because then the the Niners and Chargers broke it up. They broke up the Cowboys dynasty thing. They were in ninety five. Then it was Cowboys Cowboys. Then Redskins and then Giants, and then Forty Niners Bengals. I think it was eighty nine Super Bowl. I think we're not on Super Bowls though. I'm trying to. I'm just trying to get my my bearings down. Bloodsoul was ninety four. I'm confident with Bledsoe being 94. Oh, it was um Big Daddy Wilkinson. Big da- it was either Kajana Carter or Daddy Big Daddy Wilkinson from Ohio State that he tackle. That was 97 and 96 because the Bengals had back to back number one overall picks and Kajana Carter tore his ACL in the preseason. Never really did anything in the NFL. Okay, I gotta look at this. I got if that's Kajana Carter or Big Daddy Wilkinson, I'm gonna lose my shit. NFL draft. Come on, give it to me. Oh, that was Orlando Pace. <laughs> Way better than both those guys. Oh, geez, I skipped a few years. So Keyshawn Johnson was 95, still not a Big Ten quarterback. Or 96 was Keyshawn Johnson, 97 was Orlando Pace. There's Kajana Carter in 95. And then 94, that was Dan Wilkinson. So, okay, yeah, I was I skipped a few years. I forgot about Orlando Pace, one of the greatest left tackles of all time. And the 90s are kind of that. We talked about this during the code when code first kicked off with the lost decade for the Jets. Wait, Keyshawn Johnson first overall, <laughs> the last receiver to get drafted first overall, and rightfully so. But uh, Dan Wilkinson, he bounced around the league a little bit. That was the funny draft because that was the <laughs> you do, you don't pass up Trent Dilfer when you have Jim Harbaugh from Mel Kiper. So it's funny that Mel Kiper was there. Ninety three was Bledsoe. I know that one. That was Bledsoe. Ninety two was this Jeff George. Was ninety two Jeff George? Steve. Entman, wow, I forgot about that dude. He was a D-end at Washington. He played for the Colts. He didn't really do a whole lot, but I had his football card when I was a kid. I had a Steve Entman football card. When was Jeff George drafted? Russell Maryland, drafted first overall by the Cowboys in 91. Yeah, I would not have gotten that. Good Lord, I would not have gotten that. (laughs) I would not have guessed Russell Maryland. 90, there's Jeff George. So the last quarterback to get drafted from the Big Ten was in 1990. We are in 2022 right now. 2022. What is that? Is that 
so by the time the next draft comes out, that's 33 years ago? That's sad. That is very sad. I didn't even look at when the last time a Big Ten quarterback was drafted in the top 10. I didn't even look at that. Justin Fields thought he was going to break it, got drafted 11th. Joe Burrow could count. I mean, he went to Ohio State for a little bit, so I guess we could count that one. But C.J. Stroud could be the first quarterback since 1990. I mean, you know what? I skipped one of the greatest left tackles of all time in Keyshawn Johnson for Big Daddy Wilkinson and Kijana Carter. But I think that's impressive that we got back to that point and was even like, oh, yeah. Now, there's a point in there where I was going to get completely lost. Like, I would – I'm not. I'm going to not even pretend like I was going to guess Steve Etman or uh, Russell Maryland. I, that was, I was not doing that. Just for curiosity, 89, for those of you who didn't know – I'm not. I'm on 1990 right now, so I'm not looking at it. 1999 is one of the greatest drafts of all time. Might be the greatest draft of all time, especially top by greatest top five ever, which is a it's insane. Like I don't know the order. Well, I know who went one and two, but the second overall pick not so much. But it was I know so Troy Aikman Troy Aikman went one. Uh, <laughs> oh crap! The to- Tony Mandrich, the incredible bulk. Went to the Packers, played for Michigan State, was a tackle. Went to guard, play guard later in his career. Had a decent career. He's kind of like Robert Gallery. Didn't really work out in the NFL as a tackle. A lot of hype coming in. And then moved to guard and had a pretty solid career after that. And then it went... So, Deion was five. Deion Sanders, five. So, Barry Sanders or Derek Thomas were four. Three and four. I don't remember which one was where. But that draft alone... You got th- four Hall of Famers. Okay, it went Barry Sanders, Derek Thomas, Deion Sanders. In the top five. And then Steve Atwater was drafted 20th. And not to mention all the pro bowlers that they see. This pro bowlers, all pros that this thing had. Like, th- that top five is ridiculous. Now, 89. This is a fun game. I didn't even think we were going to do this. 89. Or 88. 88. So, my dad and mom. My dad graduated in 89. And my mom graduated in 90. So, you can do the math. I guess their ages on that one. 88 would have been before Aikman. Is this going to be another Steve Etman draft? Because obviously the 83 draft was John Elway. With, that was the great one of the greatest quarterbacks. Is it, well, it's one of the greatest quarterback draft classes of all time. You got Elway, Marino, and Kelly, and then <laughs> Davey O'Brien. Or not Davey O'Brien, Ken O'Brien, and uh, Tony Easton. Elite <laughs> quarterbacks in there. I mean, Davey, geez, Davey Ken O'Brien... And Tony Easton had a decent career. I mean, Tony Easton went to a Super Bowl, got ass-blasted by the Bears. But, you know, we move. Tony Easton went to the same amount of Super Bowls as Dan Marino. So, if we want to use that, he's a great quarterback. Who was 88? Who was 1980? I don't know. I, I think this game's done. I can't guess. Oh, yeah, I was definitely going to guess that. Andre Bruce. Yeah, I was. That was that was actually my next guess. I was actually thinking of that one. 87 was Vinny. Yeah, I remember that draft. I don't, I didn't watch it, but I've seen a lot of clips from that draft. Because the Buccaneers owner at the time was like, we even got you a favorite college number, number 14. Because that's how old old dudes sounded at that time. 86, Bo Jackson. Yeah, but he never actually played for the Bucs. He got drafted in the seventh round, I believe, by the Raiders later. Not in this draft, but I think in 87. We got drafted first overall by the Buccaneers. Bruce Smith was 85. Yeah, because it was him between him and Bill Fralick for that first overall spot. Not Bill Fralick. Uh, not Bill Fralick. Ray Childress. Ray Childress and Bruce Smith for the number one spot. Thank God the Bills made the right choice. 
Irving Fryer from Nebraska. This year, the 84 draft was the first year I think the USFL was really challenging the NFL, I think. So Irving Fryer was getting like contract negotiations left and right from uh, the USFL and uh, the, uh, what do you call it, the NFL. And it was weird because there was no quarterback draft in the first round. At least, uh, at least I don't remember there being. Now I got to look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no quarterback draft. Boomer Siason was taken first in 38th, 38th overall pick. This was also the draft with Randall Cunningham. He was drafted out of UNLV. Had a pretty solid career, Randall Cunningham. I don't know what pick he got drafted with. Jay Schrader got drafted by Washington in 83, pick 83. Pro Bowler Jeff Hostetler, Super Bowl champion Jeff Hostetler. Where is Randall Cunningham? Because he was drafted in this one. Where is he? I definitely... Am I losing my mind? He was definitely drafted in this draft. What? Am I losing my mind? I think I'm losing my mind. Was he drafted in 85? He wasn't drafted in 84. He was not drafted in 84. He was drafted in 85. Because I, I knew he got... I. I was like, he got picked before Boomer Esiason. Pick-wise, he did. <laughs> All right, then 83, obviously, that's Elway. 82, Kenny Sims. Yeah, I was, Kenny, uh, yeah, I was guessing that one. And then Char- George Rogers in the 1980, Billy Sims. Yeah, I was guessing all those guys. I was guessing all of them. I've heard of them. I've heard of them. But you, <laughs> you best not believe I'm guessing them. But back to the original talking point before we went completely sidetracked and just trying to guess how many players got drafted out of the Big Ten and just pl- go back through draft history. Stroud has a real shot going first overall. Has a very good shot. And with Stroud, what's different between Stroud and which is why I could see him not going first overall is, yes, the numbers are there. The numbers are better right now. I guess if you put career numbers up, I bet he would have the best two-year stretch out of any quarterback in this draft class. He obviously didn't win the Heisman last year, but he kicked into the gear late, and then obviously had that game against the Ro- in the Rose Bowl against Utah. So he has that opportunity. But you look at him versus Levis, versus Young, versus Richardson, versus Hooker, he's got the best receivers by far, and has had the best receivers by far. Like, you look at Jackson Smith and Jigba now, I know he's hurt. He had Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave last year. This year he's got Marvin Harrison, he's got Mecca Agbuka. Like, you've got Cade Stover at tight end, he had Jeremy Ruckert at tight end, he had Travion Henderson at running back. Like, he's had very good pieces around him, which helps when you're at Ohio State. You get those types of pieces, especially with what they're building at the wide receiver position. A lot of wide receivers are going to want to go to Ohio State and work under Brian Hartline, a guy who played in the NFL for many years. has done a really good job at Ohio State. If I remember right, I think he's the receivers coach at Ohio State. Played for the Dolphins. I don't remember. He played for another team, but I don't remember what it was. Bengals, I think. I think it was the Bengals. But that could – and it's weird. It's so weird. But when you're drafting this high in the draft, when you're looking at can a quarterback – and this is the main reason why Levis is looked at so highly compared to the likes of Hooker, compared to the likes of Stroud. Can you work with nothing around you? When you look at the grand scheme of Kentucky, the offense is not predicated around Will Levis. The offense is a run offense. They run a pro-style offense, five-step drops with a trash-ass off the line. He has no weapons around him apart from Chris Rodriguez. We discussed this on Wednesday. So when you're looking at it from a draft, yes, from just a statistical measurement, 
from just a, even eye test measurement, from what people watched on Saturday, because I know a hell of a lot of people watched that game between Tennessee and Kentucky. I know a lot of people did. And a lot of people walked away from that game going, oh, Will Levis is ass, Hendon Hooker is clearly better than him. That's not what they're paid to do in the NFL level. That's not what they're paid to do. You're paid as a scout, as a GM, as whatever in the NFL, as a high-level executive. Your job is to scout the best potential out of the quarterbacks in this draft class, especially the quarterback position. Your job is to, is to figure out who you think has the most potential. When you have a guy, and this is not, I'm not sliding C.J. Stroud. I don't want to slight C.J. Stroud because I think he's really good. When you have a guy that has elite of the elite weapons around him, because even Bryce Young doesn't have the most great weapons around him this year. He obviously had a great receiving core last year with Jamison Williams, with John Mechie. Like, he had great weapons around him last year. Not so much this year. It's been really the Bryce Young show in Alabama. And if you watch, like, 10 seconds of Alabama play, you can see that it's the Bryce Young show. And Jameer Gibbs is a really good running back behind him, but his receivers are not anything spectacular, what we're used to at Alabama. We talked about this about a month ago or a couple weeks ago. I think it was around the Texas game, I guess. You look at Alabama's roster and who the best receiver is, no one really can pinpoint who the breakaway best receiver is at Alabama. Like, throughout the past decade or so, there's always been at least one guy where you go, that's the alpha. That's the alpha. I don't know if you can do that with this year's Alabama team. And that's why CJ or Bryce Young's numbers might not be as amazing because he's trying to force things a little bit too much. He's trying to do more because of the, and it's weird to say because it's Alabama, but bear with me, the quote-unquote lack of weapons around him. When you have Stroud, he has the weapons. And that, rightly or wrongly, that's how people are going to view it. You can disagree, but that's just the fact of the matter. You have elite weapons around you. People are going to start discussing whether or not you're the reason for the success or are they. And I've always been one that says they coexist together. Like people would just go into the Bills for a little bit. People always want to talk about who made who between Josh and Diggs. They, co- they helped each other. Like it's ignorant to say that one carried the other. Like I know, like Diggs was not a top, top receiver until he got to Buffalo. Josh had the numbers. He led, was top 10 in total touchdowns his rookie year in his second year in the, or at least second year in the NFL. Like you could see the potential there. He just needed that guy. And Diggs did a lot of maturing over the time over these past couple of years in Buffalo. Now he's a captain. If you were a Vikings fan, would you have expected Stephon Diggs to ever be a captain of the Vikings? No. He went tough. There were arguments on who's better between him and Thielen. Diggs put up nice numbers in spurts in Minnesota, but he didn't really take off until he got to Buffalo. Like, Josh and Diggs co-helped. They helped each other out. Diggs wasn't anything particularly amazing in Minnesota. Josh was on the cusp of it, but he wasn't there yet. He made the playoffs. He was top 10 in total touchdowns. Made some great plays, but he wasn't there yet. He needed that guy, and the Bills went out and got that guy. So with Stroud, I think it's both him and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jeremy Ruckert and Kate Stover. I think it's all of them. I don't want to pinpoint which guy. Do I think Marvin Harrison Jr. will be the best receiver in next year's class? Yes. Last year, we had Garrett Wilson. I Chris Olave has played really, really well this year. He's been the best rookie receiver so far, but I also has to go with James Williams. been hurt, hasn't played this year. But Chris Olave has been the best receiver this year, but widely, out of the two, Garrett Wilson was considered to be the better receiver. Last This year, at Ohio State, you have Jackson Smith and Jigba. Before the season started, was widely considered the best receiver in the draft. Now, obviously, injuries have made way, so it's kind of 
fogged people's minds on if he's still the number one guy with Quentin Johnston playing really well at TCU with Jordan Addison balling out at USC. Like, it's clouded some people's minds because he's injured. And then next year, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be the best receiver in the draft class. At least that's how it looks right now. Obviously, that can change, but he looks to be the best guy right now. So that's what people are going to look at. So with Stroud potentially dropping, and it's not going to be like an immense drop. He's not going to fall in the top 10. Let's not get crazy here. You've got three teams that are going to draft a quarterback in the top 10 right now. And he'd be crazy to think CJ Stroud's not going to be one of those three. So you got he's going to be in there. He's going to be in there. But that's what people are going to look at. People are also going to look at the fact CJ Stroud's not the most fleet-footed, per se. I'm not saying he's a statue. He's not JT Daniels-esque or Josh Rosen-esque or people who can't move or Peyton Manning or te- people like that. No, he can run. It just looks awkward as hell every time he does it. And again, that's not a slight. That's just how he is. That's how he is. His arm's not anything particularly amazing, but what C.J. Stroud does better than most in college football is pick apart defenses. He's very good at reading defenses. His arm's not anything particularly special. He's very skinny, not the greatest mover, has elite weapons around him, but that dude's precise as hell. That dude is precise as hell. And I like C.J. Stroud. I like C.J. Stroud a lot. But when I look at him versus the likes of the four, the four people below him, mainly the th- two of them, and Young and Levis, I think you're looking at those two potentially right now get drafted before C.J. Stroud. Now, obviously, different teams like different things, but and the thing for Young, we'll talk about Young. We've talked about this already this year, but Young is the best ad-libber, most consistent ad-libber in college football. Because I think Anthony Richardson is definitely up there in regards to ad-libbing ability, but Young does it better and more consistently than any quarterback in college football. But the problem is, and this is what a lot of people are going to have with it, is that he's small. And he's not like Kyler Murray small. Like, he's smaller than that. He might be listed at six foot or 5'10 or whatever the hell he is. That dude's skinny. Bryce, Kyler Murray's at least got some weight to him. Russell Wilson had some weight to him. Drew Brees, Baker Mayfield, they were stocky guys. Bryce Young is probably 170 soaking wet, if I had to guess. I know his weight probably says something different on Alabama's official website or on ESPN, but that's what it looks like. But Bryce Young, in regards to just natural, natural ability, there is very few players that are better than Bryce Young in regards to just natural ability. And I brought, I bring him up, I'm bringing him up a lot, but Anthony Richardson is up there as well in regards to just natural ability. But young small. And you look at the quarterbacks in the NFL, especially right now, and you look at the quarterbacks that like the ones that are like Kyler Murray's extremely frustrating to a lot of people. Baker Mayfield's gotten benched for PJ Walker. And then Russell Wilson is the cringe machine. I know I'm not saying Bryce Young is that. Bryce Young is certainly not any of those in regards to the cringe machine to the getting benched or <laughs> Call of Duty obsessed. He's not that. But he's just small. You look at the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. It's Josh Allen. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Justin Herbert. Like, these are bigger dudes. So when you want to look at it like that, then you can see some of the things. I hate, and I hate doing this. I really don't like doing this. But I'm just trying to explain to people that, because this tweet is talking about why Levis is ranked so high. And I'm trying to explain that. I don't want to bash. I'm not... These two, Stroud and Young, are my top two guys in the draft right now. So I don't want to make this sound like I'm bashing them just for the sake of bashing them. I hope people understand that. 
I hope people understand that because I love both of them. But I'm trying to get you to understand what scouts are looking for, what coaches are looking for, GMs are looking for, what they're looking at. Don't look solely at the performances. Don't look solely at the stats because the stats aren't going to show you that. Like, you look at it. Levis has 15 touchdowns responsible for, and you look at Stroud, who's right above him at 29 total passing touchdowns. I think he has, like, one or two rushing touchdowns in there as well. But Young, smaller, can move really well. But Stroud, the thing with Stroud is that he's got all the weapons around, so people are going to look at that. When you look at Hendon Hooker, you've got the athletic ability in Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker is one of the fastest quarterbacks in this draft class. The thing that hurts Hendon Hooker, and it's, I don't want to say this too uh, too much because Levis is going to be 24, I think. So, Hendon Hooker is going to be 25 by the time the draft comes around. And that's going to cause people to drop him down a little bit. And again, I don't think Hendon Hooker necessarily has the strongest arm, what people are going to be looking for in the draft, athletic ability, ability to make quick decisions, that he's one of the top guys in the draft class. I'm not, not, everybody should be well aware of that at this point. But he doesn't make a lot of, like, crazy, and, and the, I get it. I know a lot of people out there, it's like, it doesn't matter how hard you throw it, but there's a guy, the top guys in the NFL, the young guys anyways, that we just talked about, they have the strongest arms in the league. It doesn't matter if that's not, you don't need that to be successful, but the way the NFL is going, people are going to naturally, it's just how we are as human beings. We see the thing that's happening right now, and that's what we want. You look at what Tyreek Hill was doing in Kansas City, and on the field, we're sticking on the field with this. Is there any reason Henry Ruggs really should have been drafted before Judy or C.D. Lamb or Justin Jefferson? No, but he's the fastest receiver in the draft class. John Ross, should he have really been a top 10 pick? No, but he's the fastest. We are drawn to what we see Right now. It's not about what's worked in the past. So people are going to be like, oh, you don't need the strongest arm to work in the NFL. Like, look at Drew Brees. Yeah, I'm all, I'm well aware of that. But the current state of the NFL right now, you've got Josh Mahomes, Herbert, even Rodgers is still kicking about. Strong arms. That's what people are going to be looking for. So that's why when you look at just strictly that, Levis stands out. Regardless of what you saw on Saturday, regardless of what you saw against Tennessee. That's what people are going to be looking at. Ignore the 98 yards passing. Ignore, I know it's damn near impossible to ignore 98 yards passing and three interceptions against like a top bottom 100 defense, passing defense in college football. I'm, I'm well aware of that. I understand that. But when you look at what he has around him versus what some of the other quarterbacks have in this draft class, he's working with the least amount by far. He's, he's got the worst offensive line. He's got the worst set of receivers. No no disrespect to Dane Key or any of those guys. Dane Key's a young... I, Dane Key's the freshman, right? I gotta make sure. Because I don't want to say Dane Key's a freshman. He's a seventh-year senior. Like I just saw today, I think it's North Texas's quarterback's 29. Good Lord. This dude's 29 years old. I remember when Brandon Whedon was 28 when he got drafted in the first round. This dude's at 29, and he looks 10 years younger than Brandon Whedon. And thankfully, <laughs> we don't have a lot of dinosaurs roaming around college football right now because I don't need to see another Brandon Weed. And I, Hennon Hooker's 25, but good Lord, I don't, I don't want to see that anymore. I'm tired of, I'm tired of it. 
tired of. We had Chris Winkie win the Heisman at 28 years old. How the hell is that fair? Doesn't make any sense at all. Why is it? Yeah, okay, Dan Key is the freshman. I needed a stall while I could get to Kentucky's ESPN page. But you got him, Tavion Robinson, transfer from Virginia Tech. Barry and Brown's played well this year as well, but they're just not – it's not it. And you saw the same exact thing last year when Sam Howell chipped, dipped. But the difference between Sam Howell and Will Levis, Will Levis is bigger. Will Levis is playing the SEC, not the ACC. So, and Levis, for Sam Howell, I think Sam Howell should be playing right now. I I have no real issue with Taylor Heineke, but I want to see Sam Howell play. I think Sam Howell's got more talent than Heineke does. Howell proved he was a really good runner last year because he kind of had to. Him and Tyson Chan- Ty- Chandler, is it Tyson Chandler, the running back from North Carolina? That doesn't feel right because Tyson Chandler's the basketball player. Is it Tyson Chandler? It's something Chandler, but... Yeah, that's, I'm trying to, I hope that makes sense. I hope that made somewhat sense for you. And then, I, we didn't really touch on him, but Anthony Richardson, I think if Anthony Richardson was consistent, <laughs> I think Anthony Richardson would be the number one quarterback in this class. I think if Anthony Richardson had, I don't know, because Florida, they do a pretty decent job at trying to play to Richardson's strengths. They do a pretty decent job at it. Like they'll roll him out of the pocket. They'll let him move around. They let him throw the deep ball. They'll let him go on quarterback runs. Like Kentucky doesn't do that. Kentucky goes under center all the time and <laughs> hands it off to Chris Rodriguez. Chris Rodriguez has played. He missed, I think, the first four games of the season. Dude already has eighty-seven carries. I, I think he's only played four games this season. <laughs> he got he got thirty-one carries against Mississippi State. Like, this dude, he just started playing. His first game was against Ole Miss. He missed the first four games of the season. Ugh. But Richardson, in regards to size, athletic ability, arm talent, just raw arm talent. Don't look at it like, just take off the blinders of, it's not always hit the, <laughs> the, the desired target. But there, just watch, like, I don't know. What was the game he had a couple weeks ago? Was it? I, this is not going to help my case at all because it's against East, <laughs> Eastern Washington. But just watch the throw. I don't really care who it's against. Just watch the throws, some of the throws he made in that game. And it, a lot of people are going to sn- blow, like, like what is it? What did they call it? Uh, suck their teeth at, like that? People are going to do that. People are going to snore. Like, look at me, roll their eyes a little bit, stop listening to the podcast and everything. It's not about the competition, really, in that aspect. Look at just some of the things he can do with the football in his hands. Just look at it. I just beg you to just watch what he can do just naturally. He can run all over the field. Like, it's game against LSU. He had an 81-yard touchdown run. Do I like that he (laughs) dove into the end zone while he's down by, I think, 21 points? Not necessarily, but, I I mean, I I don't hate it. I don't want to sound like I'm 80 years old and go, like, oh, you can't do that. You're not allowed to have fun. You're losing the game. I am kind of like that to a certain extent, but it can be a momentum booster, especially when you're losing like that. But I think Anthony Richardson is the most physically gifted quarterback in this draft class. But people, he just needs to go to a system that, like the combine, good lord. If he goes out this year, because I could, I could see a reality where he comes back, and it's like him and Caleb Williams and Tyler Van Dyke. If Tyler Van Dyke comes back for the number one spot in the draft, if he goes out this year, I guess it doesn't matter. If he goes out next year, 
He is going to blow away the combine. I promise you. Andy Richardson is going to blow away the combine. If he doesn't, I would be absolutely shocked because I think just his arm talent alone will make people's jaws drop. It was kind of the similar situation to what happened with Josh Allen in the 2018 draft. People just watched him throw, and it was like, oh, my God. That same thing's going to happen to Anthony Richardson. If I had to go, and I, I ranked this before, but if I had to go arm strength just off this draft class, it would go Richardson, Levis, Young, Stroud, Hooker. That's how I'd rank it. Yeah. It's just fun. The draft's fun. The draft is an overly complicated process, and I, I don't necessarily agree with Jim Weber's tweet, and I like Jim Weber's Twitter account, but does Mel Kiber share the same agent with Will Levis like he did with Jimmy Clausen? Because this is bananas. It's not. It's not It's not bananas. I can see why you'd think that, but it's not. I mean, it's not the Jimmy Clausen thing again. It's not the Jimmy Clausen thing. Because people forget this dude said Josh Allen was the best quarterback in the draft class in 2018, and everybody laughed at him then, and look what happened. I'm not saying Will Levis is going to be Josh Allen or anything, but that's a big reason why Will Levis is as high as he is. You don't need to just look solely at stats. Try to envision what he can be instead of what he currently is. And I think when you do it that way, I think you can understand a little bit more. Maybe you don't want to. Maybe it's like I watched dude throw for 98 yards and three interceptions against Tennessee's defense that is ranking near the bottom nationally in pass defense. I understand that. You don't need to like it, but I'm pretty confident that's how it's going to work out come April 2023. And I think a lot of people are going to be very upset, and I can understand why, because he's playing really well. He's probably going to win the Heisman of Hendon Hooker sliding a little bit in the draft. We said he could go, I think he'll go somewhere between 15 and 32, if I had to take a guess right now. And people aren't going to like that. People aren't going to like that. People are going to lose their ever-living minds when Will Levis gets drafted before Hendon Hooker. Or Will Levis gets drafted before C.J. Stroud. Or Will Levis, God forbid, gets drafted before Bryce Young. It's going to go in batshit crazy. That's how it's going to. That's how I think it's going to play out. And I kind of hope it does because that'd be really funny to see Twitter after that. Because there are a lot of people deleting tweets after the 2018 draft class. So it, it's it's going to be funny. And it's a different situation of all these different drafts. People want to say like this draft's like this draft. This draft's like this. No, it's not. It's not. That all these different drafts, like I, it's when people go like, I saw a comment on that tweet. It was like I wouldn't touch Stroud with a ten foot pole because what Ohio State quarterback's been good in the NFL? I've seen that movie before, like that awesome take. And it goes back to the thing of scouting helmets, like so when you're going back to let's just flash back to 2020 because I think that's a prime example of scouting the helmets is extremely bad. So the top three quarterbacks in that draft class. Went to LSU. We're not going to tell you who they are. I you would I would hope you would know who these people are, but we're not going to tell you who they are. Went to LSU, Alabama, and Oregon. I want you to think a little bit. Prior to 2020, who was the best LSU quarterback in the NFL? I mean, Jamarcus Russell was drafted first overall. We found that. We, we remember that one for 20, 2007. Took a little bit, but we remembered it. Matt Flynn signed a big contract in Seattle before getting benched for Russell Wilson and then coincidentally get shipped back to Green Bay after he played one good game there. Whether LSU quarterbacks have done anything in the NFL? Or am I just stupid and can't think of any more? Because those are the only two I could think of. Danny Etling was in the NFL for a little bit. Was with the, I think the Patriots. What other ones? What other quarterbacks have been from LSU that have stayed in the NFL for long periods of time? 
Can't think of them. Alabama. But if you take if you go back all the way to the '60s, sure. Bart Starr, uh, Joe Namath. You have Ken Stabler. Like you have old old quarterbacks. We're talking about recently. We're looking at AJ McCarron, John Parker Wilson, Greg McElroy. You've got Brody Croyle. Who other Alabama quarterbacks from that have been around since? Blake, I don't even know if Blake Sims did anything. Jacob Coker, I don't know if he did anything. There's another Alabama quarterback. He didn't finish at Alabama, but he was driving the second round that year. Played at Alabama. He's doing pretty freaking well right now. He's top three MVP candidate. And then we go to Oregon. What Oregon quarterback has been a damn awesome success in the NFL besides Dan Fouts? Again, going back to the 80s, 70s, and 80s, yeah, go back that far. Yeah, you'll guarantee to find somebody. The history of the NFL is pretty long, so you're going you're gonna to find somebody that was decent at a college at a certain position. But you're looking at Mariota, who was a backup in Oakland and Vegas for the past four years, got benched for Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. Now he's starting at Atlanta, doing – Fine, I guess. They got Kellen Clemens. You got Joey Harrington. What other Oregon quarterbacks have done anything in the NFL that you can think of off the top of your head? Dennis Dixon got drafted sixth overall. Sixth, sixth overall. Sixth round, I think. Well, let's check that because I, I think that'd be cool if I got that right. Dennis Dixon was a baller at Oregon, though. Dude was. Fifth. Okay, whatever. Uh, Jeremiah Masoli transferred to Ole Miss again, like Jalen Hurts that we mentioned before. Didn't finish his career at the school, but you know he got in some trouble <laughs> at Oregon, and then had to transfer to Ole Miss. Now he's he was I don't know if he still is, but he was balling out with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of Canada. And then you've got what? Um, oh crap! Who was the quarterback that went to the Natty? He was number one, Darren Thomas. What's Darren Thomas doing now? Darren Thomas was a baller at Oregon as well. He played with Michael James, Kenyon Barner. Like, that dude was a baller at Oregon. Went to a natty, went to a Rose Bowl. Like, dude was a... Love that. That dude wore the sickest face mask for a quarterback. It was awesome. He had a visor on everything. The dude was an absolute baller. We're number five and number one. Like, baller. Any other quarterbacks from Oregon? Achilles Smith. We talked about him a little bit before. Drafted third overall by the Bengals. That one worked out really well. You can't scout helmets. I hate when people, like, the last Ohio State quarterback, the best one you can think of at the top of your head is Tom Tupa because Tom Tupa played in the NFL not even as a quarterback, as a punter. He played for the Jets. Played as a quarterback for the Jets when Javidian Testaverde and then their backup got hurt. I don't remember who their backup was, but he had to come in as an emergency quarterback, played well. You have Art Schleister, a gambling addiction in the NFL, never really worked out there. He played for the Colts. He was the, what was he called, the straight arrow? Something like that. Definitely not straight arrow. But uh, I think that's what his nickname was. Art Schleister. Look him up. It's Good luck spelling Schleister. He was number 10. Played for the Colts. If you look at Indianapolis Colts number 10, he should pop up. Just look him up. I, I don't know how to spell Schleister. I'm not even going to attempt. I don't know what year he was drafted. He was drafted in the 70s, early 80s, late 70s, somewhere around there. Don't remember the exact time. He was like the golden arrow or the straight arrow. He's drafted at Ohio State. You always have Troy Smith that won the Heisman. He was a sixth-round draft pick. Okay, I said that too confidently. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta look that one up now. Troy Smith again. Fifth, okay, fifth rounder. Whatever. Awesome at Ohio State though. Awesome at Ohio State. You have J.T. Barrett, Cardell Jones, Braxton Miller. I know he finished career as a wide receiver, but Braxton Miller counts in this situation. 
Any other ones? John Todd Bachman. Remember when he played Matt Flynn in the national championship with Ohio State with Beanie Wells? That was a fun. Terrell Pryor. Who was before Todd Bachman? But Troy Smith. Who was before Troy Smith? Who went to the Natty against Miami? Who was that quarterback? But it don't matter. But either way, you can't scout helmets. You scout the player in the helmet because every player is different. You're going to tell me a quarterback that played <laughs> different time, I know. Because back then it seemed fun. It seemed fun. Now he's not coach anymore. But a quarterback played for under, let's just go with it, like Joe Brady, offensive coordinator, Ed Ogeron. Is a different, the same quarterback that played under, was was Nick Saban, Jamarcus Russell's coach? So they won a natty. He won a natty at LSU. I don't remember what year it was. I They might have been, but Les Miles was there. Like, not only are they different quarterbacks, they had different coaches, they had different systems, it was a different era. Like, all the things are different. So you're telling me, if you just looked at the schools of LSU, Alabama, and Oregon, you're not drafting Burrow, Tua, or Herbert, who are all starters in the NFL? Who Burrow's already been to a Super Bowl. Herbert's consistently been reigning in the top 10. Two is the most accurate quarterback in NFL history. So, like, you got, you're not drafting any, any of those guys because you don't like the court, the helmet. You don't like the uniform. You don't like the colors. So, people that go, I don't want to draft CJ Strauss, the last quarterback from Ohio State, is who? It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who was the last successful quarterback. This is the current successful quarterback. Like, wouldn't it, isn't it crazy to think about that no one won a Heisman Trophy at quarterback at the University of Alabama until Bryce Young won it? For how long and storied history that that university has had, only one, the first Heisman Trophy winner ever was Mark Ingram from Alabama. Like, just because, like, just because they went to a school that's not necessarily produced the most insane quarterbacks, every quarterback's different. Every player is different. Every player's got a different temperament. Just because they played well in college does not mean they're going to translate to the NFL. Just because they won a Heisman does not mean they're going to translate. Just because they went to a school where another bust went to school does not mean that they're going to be a bust. Different quarterbacks, different systems, different situations, different players. It's just, I hate when people do it. I saw that on that tweet, and I was like, oh, God, we're back with that? Oh, we were done with that. Like, you went draft Patrick Mahomes because the last good quarterback at Texas Tech was who? Graham Harrell? Who the hell knows? There was a quarterback before him. I don't remember his name was. He has all the Texas Tech passing records. I don't remember his name was. Clemson. Who was the last great Clemson quarterback in the NFL? Taj Boyd? Chad Kelly? <laughs> Chad Kelly was drafted after Deshaun Watson. Like, Wyoming? We're not even going down that. Louisville? Teddy Bridgewater? Well, Johnny Unitas. But that, again, that's in the 60s. Like, you can't scout the school. Do not do that. Do not. Stop. Do not do that. So we're not, I'm not going to go over, like, the ins and outs of this rankings list, but since I think we pretty much covered the top five. My top five's not too dissimilar, but I have Young at one, Stroud two, Levis three, Richardson four, and Hooker five. And I, I kind of explained that all in the first however many minutes we talked about that. This could be about an hour already. It is an hour. Good Lord. But... I kind of summed that one all up. And I said, at the three-minute mark, I said I was starting with this. I think it was the three-minute mark. We're in an hour. Good Lord. I still got to do freaking the Tom McAllister-sponsored picks of the week. Good God. But uh, number six is Jaron Hall. Didn't uh, I'm not going to talk about that game. 
I'm not going to talk about it. I'm done betting on BYU. Done with them. Tyler Van Dyke didn't play, but he still comes in at seven. Talented dude. Eight, Tanner McKee. Tanner McKee is another prime example of don't look at the stats. 11 touchdowns, seven picks on the season. Not an extremely high completion percentage, but he's got a really good arm. He can make all the throws across the field. He's got the size. He's not necessarily the most mobile. He's probably the least mobile quarterback out of these quarterbacks this year. But he's very precise when he go, where he throws the ball. He's a good quarterback. He's a good, fine quarterback. I don't have a a raging hard-on for him like Pro Football Focus does, where they have him like third best quarterback of the draft class. I don't know how they managed to just figure that one out. I think he'll be like a probably an early third round draft pick at this point, if I had to guess, maybe a late second rounder. But it's just I don't I don't get Pro Football's obsession with them. Because they've been doing that since last year. Number nine, KJ Jefferson ran the ball really well against Auburn. Ran the ball really well. Brian Harson got fired. Cadillac Williams is now the interim head coach at Auburn, which is just awesome to think about. But yeah, they crushed Auburn. That was a pretty easy one. And then coming in at number 10, we got Cameron Ward played really well against Utah. Really well. I was happy about that game. I was happy about the game. I really like Cam Ward. Cam Ward's another one of those guys, and he ran the ball well. Cam Ward and Bryce Young are not too dissimilar in regards to they make a lot of plays. They've got a Fairly, like, Bryce Young does not have the most natural throwing motion. Cameron Ward does not either. Cameron Ward's got a little more wonky one than Bryce Young does. But they can both make plays on the run. I think where Cameron Ward has his problem is that um, where Bryce Young has at least some, (laughs) Cam Ward is forcing everything. Everything. So, got to tone that down a little bit. Both of them like to put balls on a line every time. They throw really well on the run, though. But he had a really good game against Utah. Very, very good game against Utah. And then honorable mention, we have Grace McCall, Aino O'Connell, Michael Penix, Will Rogers dropped out of the top 10. He had a, had a bad couple weeks. And then Dorian Thompson-Robinson. So there's the top 10 for I think we kind of did a fairly long synopsis of the top five. So I think you can kind of understand that, why we're not going to talk too much time on that one, why we're not spending as much time on the top 10. But that's the top 10 for you. Again, it reads Young, Stroud, Levis, Richardson, Hooker, Hall, Van Dyke, McKee, Jefferson, Cam Ward. I had a I had a little bit of a brain fart there. But all these quarterbacks, they got some interesting matches. And the one I'm most excited about is Tennessee. Because this is kind of going down the route of the, what do you call it? The LSU season where they're just beating a bunch of good teams. They weren't really expelling... Like, Hendon Hooker, we were high on Hendon Hooker going into the season. We were high on Hendon Hooker last year. So it's not really, I mean, it's a surprise he's at the Heisman level, but it's not a surprise that he's playing well. It's a surprise that Tennessee as a team is playing as well as they are and beating the teams that they are and the way they have this week against Georgia. And I'm glad it's like this. I'm glad they're number one. I said they were number two, but I'm glad they're number one. I think Ohio State's a little bit too shaky at the start. And I think that's another thing that could hurt Stroud is Ohio State's slow starts. I know they finished strong, but their starts are extremely slow. Well, they were down 14 to 13 at halftime against Penn State. Yeah, they won by 14, but you can't start that slow all the time. They started slow against Iowa. They started slow against Michigan State. They started slow against Rutgers. Like they've it's been a consistent theme throughout this season, but they've got enough talent to where it just doesn't matter at this point. But Tennessee at number one, Georgia three. Yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee's offense is something that I'm excited to see how Georgia handles. I know Georgia is Georgia. We all know what that means. Elite defense. Like we know all about Georgia's defense. But they haven't faced an offense as fast as Tennessee's yet. And I think that's something you can't really prepare for. 
So that's why I think Tennessee. So Georgia's an eight-point favorite, and it's 230 in Athens. Not Greece, Georgia. Totally different place. But <laughs> Tennessee is the eight-point dog. According to ESPN GameCast, Georgia has a 74.5% chance to win. I don't know. I, I'm, I might take Tennessee in that one. I might take Tennessee in that one. We got C.J. Stroud there taking on Northwestern. That one's going to be an absolute ass break, ass beat down. We got Alabama there taking on LSU, which will also be a fun game. Night game in Death Valley, always a fun one. We've got Kentucky taking on – I was just on this page. Kentucky taking on Missouri. Should be an interesting one. We've got Florida and A&M at A&M, but it's a day game, so that could be a little more interesting. we got Arkansas taking on Liberty. 7-1 Liberty. 7-1 Liberty. Love it. Absolutely love it. Then we have BYU. Who are they choking again? Oh, Boise State. Boise State's an eight-point favorite in the game. Yeah, I'm not too surprised by that. And that's one BYU is probably going to come out and blitz them by 100 points or something. God, BYU, your defense is so ass. Why can't your defense be somewhat good? Jaron Hall's not even playing bad, and they're still getting boat raced. Like, they got boat raced by Liberty. They're up, four, what was it, 14-3? to three? How do you be up 14-3 to three and lose 40 40, what was it, 41 to 14? How the hell is that possible? You were up against Notre Dame, choked that one away and lost. It's just a, it's a shame. It's just a shame. Miami's playing Florida State this week, so I hope Taylor Van, Tyler Van Dyke is back for that game. And we got Stanford there taking on Washington State. So we got Cam Ward taking on Tanner McKee, which is a very interesting one. Stanford's defense is not very good. So I think uh, Cam Ward could have a very nice game like he did against Utah, and Utah has a lot better defense than Stanford does. Oh, geez, so we got the burps now. Both teams average around tw- – they average the exact same amount of points, 23.6. Yeah, it's a fun, that's a fun one. That's a fun one. 230 for a Pac-12 game? I like that matchup. That's going to be a fun one. That's going to be a very, very fun one. What channel is that one? Pac- uh, who the hell is Pac-12 Network? What even is that? What even is the Pac-12 Network? Good God. But uh, with that, we're going to talk about the Tom McAllister sponsored. We've got Tom McAllister sponsored picks of the week. Hopefully, we had a pretty decent week last week, so let's see if we can build on momentum here. We have got Washington taking on Oregon State. Washington is a four and a half point favorite. Oregon State's ranked twenty three is at Washington. Um. Oregon State's on a good old tear right now. They had a close game against USC. Got boat raced by Utah. I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the Huskies. I think playing in Seattle is gonna be big. I think that's a big one, especially with being at night. We're gonna take Washington in that game. We got Kentucky and Missouri. Kentucky just has to win that game. They're a one point favorite. They have to win that game. Purdue and Iowa as a four and a half point line. Uh, Iowa's offense played well against Northwestern, but Northwestern's the bottom of the Big Ten in almost every conceivable category. Purdue's defense is nothing special, though. Purdue's defense is nothing special. Whereas you like got Michigan, Illinois, and Ohio State all have very solid defenses. Iowa State's got a solid defense. So they, they, the teams they have had losses to have all had solid defense. Purdue does not necessarily have They have allowed 25 points a game. You know what? Four and a half? I don't say Iowa covers. I've never I never thought I'd say that. I think Purdue wins, but I think they win by a field goal. Ain't O'Connell, there's times like that Syracuse game. Where you're like, what What was that? What was that? Now, I know Charlie Jones and Tyrone Trace were going to be looking to have a massive-ass game in this game this week. But, uh, yeah, I think I think Iowa can cover. I think they can cover, which is weird to say. I do think they can. We got Maryland and Wisconsin. 
Wisconsin's offense has been playing better as of late. Their defense is still really good as per usual. They just beat Purdue by 11 points last week. They had a two-overtime loss to Michigan State. Nor, no, geez. Maryland is 6-2. and two. They were a five-point dog in this game. I think being at Wisconsin's big. Uh, we're going to go Wisconsin. We're going to go Wisconsin. I think at Wisconsin is one of the toughest places to play. So I'm, I'm going to go with at Wisconsin. I get, granted, Washington State did come away with a win there, which was unexpected. We got Florida versus Texas A&M. Texas A&M is just weird, but Florida's defense is just complete ass. A&M's on a four-game losing streak right now. Florida's on a two-game losing streak, losing three of the last five games. I am, oh, jeez, because Florida's defense is so bad. Give up 445 yards a game. Like, I, we'll come back to that one. I, I want to pick Florida. My my gut wants to pick Florida. My head wants to pick Florida. My gut does not. And then we've got TCU versus Texas Tech. Texas Tech is a tough team. Texas Tech is a tough team. They're, TCU is an eight and a half point favorite, but we are going to take the Horned Frogs. We've been sticking with the Iowan. We're sticking with Max Duggan. Max Duggan hasn't hasn't swayed us wrong yet. So we're going with Max Duggan and uh, the TCU Horned Frogs. Now for Oklahoma Baylor. Oklahoma's played better recently. I mean, they had a good game against Kansas. They had a good game against Iowa State. Still remember them getting boat raced by Texas and TCU. So a little bit of a pretty a bad thing there. But I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Baylor. I'm gonna go with Baylor. Baylor is a three and a half point dog in this game. They're on the road. But I think Baylor's defense is enough to keep Oklahoma's in check, and Oklahoma's defense stinks. So Baylor's offense is good. Baylor averages more points and more yards a game than Oklahoma does. But their defense is better. So I'm gonna that's my logic for that one. We got Pitt taking on Syracuse. Pitt is the favorite in this game, which is kind of surprising to me. Kind of surprising to me. But also not really at the exact same time. But I think I'm gonna pick the orange. I've they've got they've had two bad losses in a row. They had a really bad loss against Notre Dame. They got absolutely blasted by Notre Dame last week. But Pitt also has not been playing too well as of late either. Both defenses are fairly solid. I'm gonna pick the Syracuse Orange. Going to go with the Orange in that one. I think they'll bounce back if that lost in Notre Dame in a game I thought they'd win. But uh, they, they Garrett Schrader threw a pick six on the first drive of the game, so that did not really help anything. We got Iowa State taking on West Virginia. I don't know. I don't think Iowa State can lose this game. I don't think they can. They're a seven-point favorite. I'm going to go with Iowa State. I know West Virginia. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I know. I'm not even going to try and explain it. I'm just going to go with Iowa State. We got Oklahoma State and Kansas. That could be an actually pretty fun game. That could be a pretty fun one. The line has moved. It was at two for Okie State. Now Kansas is the favorite. It's at Kansas. Both teams are solid. Both defenses are nothing particularly special. Both teams come off pretty bad losses. Oklahoma State got blasted by Kansas State. Kansas lost to Baylor. They've lost three straight games. They have really Kansas to this undefeated start of the season up. Um, I think I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I'm going with the Cowboys on that one. Illinois, Michigan State. I mean, I think I have, I think Illinois, I think I'm going to pick Illinois. They just play really good. There's, there's a really solid football team. They're what Iowa wants to be like Michigan State. Their defense is ass and their offense is all, Ooh, 17. I didn't see that. Uh, I think they can also beat them by 17. I think they could beat them by 17. I, I didn't even see that before, but I think they could. That surprised me at first. That did surprise me, not going to lie, but I think I think they could beat them by 17 points. Washington State and Stanford? 
I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the the Cougars, and it all dates. It all goes back to what I said before about Stanford's defense not being very good. Like Stanford's offense can keep up with anybody, but their defense can let anybody score. Defense can do the exact same thing. They can let anybody back into a game. So I'm gonna go with them there. Tennessee and Georgia. I'm gonna go with the Vols. I'm going with the Vols. I think was the line eight and a half. I think and it's grown too. It was at eight. I think that's a little disrespectful to Tennessee, especially with how they've been playing this year. I know Georgia's a different animal on defense, but I'm I'm gonna go with the Tennessee Volunteers here. We've got oh we already said I don't even know what the line is. UCF over Memphis. We're taking that one just out of principle. Three and a half. Yeah, we're taking UCF. Don't care. I'm not taking Memphis again since that Houston debacle. No more of them. No more of them. Big 12, oh, we got uh, Texas, the team that ranked got ranked after a loss versus Kansas State. Uh, Texas is the favorite, or two-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. I'm going to go with the fighting Chris Climans just because of principle, just because Texas is getting ranked after losing a game. They've been, The two times they've been ranked have come after games they've lost. I think that's insane. That's absolutely insane. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Kansas State there. LSU and Bama, what is the line for that one? 13-and-a-half? 13 and a half. Huh. I'm going to go with the Tigers. I think the Tigers can lose by 10. I don't think they'll win, but I think I think they can keep it within 10. Especially with it being at Death Valley. I could be completely wrong about that, but I, LSU's starting to look better as a team. So I, I, I'm going to stick with LSU on that one. that one. That one seems big. That's a big spread for that one. SMU and Houston? Ugh. <sighs> Uh, where is that game at? It's on NFL Network, which is weird, but SMU is a three-point favorite over the Cougs, who have won four of their last five. SMU has lost three of their last four. Three of four of their last five. Three of geez, three of their last five. Sorry. Two not great defenses. Two fairly solid offenses. Being at SMU, being on NFL Network, who's got the more notable alumni that play in the NFL? We have got uh, Andre Ward versus Eric Dickerson. So by that knowledge, we're going with SMU. <laughs> I can't I can't think of any other Houston players. I'm sorry. If there's other another one there, but Eric Dickerson's the all-time leading rusher for a season in the NFL, so I had to go with him. Again, BYU, B- Boise State taking Boise. I'm done. I, I'm done. I'm done. I've been burned too many times by BYU. I'm done. I'm not taking it anymore. Florida State and Miami. I think this one comes down to who's playing quarterback. What's the line for this game? Seven and a half. It's at Miami. Famously, this season does not have a great home home crowd. It's a night game on ABC. Of course, it is. Wouldn't expect anything different. Um, I'm going to go with Florida State. That 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 Duke game kind of scarred me. That Duke game kind of hurt my feelings. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Florida State. Now I like Jordan Travis a lot. So we'll go with them. Then we have got some Mississippi State at Auburn. I think this is a game for Mississippi State to bounce back. Mississippi State's had a couple bad games in a row. They've kind of they've struggled a lot recently. Will Rogers need to get some momentum going? They lost two games in a row, both by double digits to Kentucky and and Alabama, and so is Auburn. Auburn's lost four games in a row, <laughs> with <laughs> three of them being by double digits. Uh, Mississippi State's a twelve point favorite. Yeah, I think they can cover that. Being at Mississippi State as well, night game at Mississippi State. Yeah, I think they can cover that. Utah and Arizona. Arizona's tough. Arizona's not very good, but they're tough. And especially what happened with Utah last week, I think they kind of breeze. They're expected to breeze past uh, Washington State. Arizona State. Arizona's defense is not very good. That's that's 
100 percent true. Their defense is not very good. They've lost three of the last. They lost their last three games. They lost three of the last five. Four of their last five. But they're scoring a crap ton of points. They haven't even beat by 17 apart from the game against Oregon. Like against USC, they lost by eight. Right? That's right. Yeah. Washington lost by 10. So I, I'm gonna go with Arizona covering. I don't think they'll win. I bet they'll lose by two touchdowns, but I don't like you look at Utah's past couple games, like the the past two games they played, past three games they played, they all have really good quarterbacks. Cameron Ward, Caleb Williams, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, like they've struggled with those games. So Jaden Delura is a solid quarterback. So we're gonna go with him there. Then we got Clemson versus Notre Dame. Should be a very interesting one. This was the DJ Uyagalele's first start in college, I believe, was against Notre Dame when Trevor Lawrence had COVID but was still on the sideline, which is kind of funny. I'm going to go – Notre Dame's had a couple good games in a row, but granted, one of them is against UNLV, so that doesn't really count. I'm going to go Clemson. Yeah, I'm going to go Clemson there at Notre Dame. Regardless, I'm going with Clemson. Then we've got Wake Forest at NC State. This could be a pretty fun one. Is this a night game? Has to be a night game, right? Yeah, night game. ACC Network, if you have that, watch it there. Uh, Devin Leary is out for the season, I believe, for NC State. So that's a big loss there. And I think just on that sole reasoning, I'm going to go with Wake Forest in that game. Yeah, I'm going to go with Wake. I'm just going quarterback matchup there. I don't know who NC State's quarterback is right now, but I'm going to go with Wake Forest because that. I know Wake Forest had a really weird game against Louisville last week. A very, very weird game. But I'm going to go with Wake Forest winning that game, though it's on the road. We got UCLA versus Arizona State. What's the line in that game? I feel like that could be a pretty big line. 11, kind of what I expected. Arizona State's defense stinks. UCLA's defense is not bad. They give up about 40 less yards a game than Arizona State does. I'm going to go with UCLA. I'm going to go with the Fighting Chip Kellys. They're 11-point favorite. That's a big number, but I'm, I'm going to go with them. And then USC versus Cal. Cal's one of those weird teams, too. Cal Cal seems to be in a lot of games that they really should not. 21 points? That's the spread? You know what? <laughs> UCLA, USC's so weird because they haven't really blasted anybody recently. Like, they've struggled in their past few games. Arizona, they struggled. Utah, they struggled. Washington State, they struggled. Oregon State, they struggled. 21 points. That's a massive number. Neither one of these defenses is very good. Just US, US, USC's offense is a lot better than Cal's. I'm going to go with USC. With it being at USC, I think that's who I'm going to go with. And now i got to go back to that stupid Florida versus A&M game, which I do not want to touch, but I have no idea. i got to guess it. Can't leave it blank. Florida versus Texas A&M. I want to, my gut is telling, again, my head is telling me Florida. My gut is telling me not to bet Florida. I got them last week. They did, they did cover last week. Three is the line. Three. I'm going to go with Florida. A lot less cringy than, uh, than A&M. Am I confident in these games? No, not really. But I felt like these ones went a lot easier than last week's games or two weeks ago's games. So I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more confident, but here's all your top 25 matchups this week. We got, uh, we got Oregon State taking on Washington. That's on Friday. We got Ohio State Northwestern. <laughs> Sadly, that is not a night game. Sadly. And why is that game not on the Big Ten Network? It's on ABC. Why, do, was that, why does the entire nation need to watch that game? 
We got Texas Tech versus TCU. We got North Carolina, Virginia. Tulane and Tulsa. Tulane ranked number 19. We got number one, Tennessee, taking on number three, Georgia. We got number eight, Oregon, taking on Colorado. That should be another bloodbath. Penn State, Indiana, Michigan State, Illinois, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Syracuse, Pitt, UCF, Memphis, Alabama, LSU, Texas, Kansas State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan, Rutgers, Arizona, Utah, Wake Forest, NC State, Cal, USC, and UCLA, Arizona State. And for your in-state schools, we've already talked about both two of them. We got Iowa taking on Purdue. I think Iowa... The more I look at that, the more concerned I get. I might change that before I send it to them. Then we got ISU taking on West Virginia. And then we got UNI in the best game of the weekend for the state of Iowa. We got UNI taking on South Dakota State, the number one ranked team in the FCS. Awesome game. Four o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. We got UNI, one of the best offenses in the FCS, with Theo Day playing as the bet one of the best quarterbacks in the entire country in the FCS level. I don't know why they put the weather on here. They got the Unidome. So they don't need to put the weather on there. South Dakota State's got some very, very good players on their team. They're obviously the number one ranked team in the nation for a reason. Beating North Dakota State's no small feat, and they're coming off two straight games where they have beaten their opponents by double digits. And they, one of those games was against North Dakota, a team that you and I lost to in week two, I believe, after they lost to Air Force week one. But this could be fun. Both teams are are feeling themselves right now. You and I start bad, but they've won five, four in their last five games. So... I don't know what the line is. I wish they put a line on this game because that's going to be a very, very, very fun game. And since the show's already been long enough, long, long, long enough, let's go to the NFL really, really quick. What's the score in the Eagles? Okay, the Eagles are beating the Texans. Yeah, as as expected. 29-17 is the score right now. Jalen Hurts has two touchdowns. Dallas Goddard has a touchdown and 100 yards receiving. Damian Pierce has 129 yards rushing. No touchdowns, though. And David Smells has two touchdowns, one pick. Miles Sanders is 97 yards and a touchdown in the game. Yeah, this is, a, this is about what I expected. Maybe I was expecting the Texans to score a little bit less points, but that's about what I was expecting in this game. Eagles remain undefeated unless something insane happens. But on Sunday, we got the Chargers taking on the Falcons. Bills, Jets, which should be a very, very fun game. Very, very fun game. The Bills are 11.5-point favorites in this game. And according to ESPN's match predictor, the Bills have an 80, 80.3% chance to win. And Trey White, they haven't announced yet. Again, like we said on Wednesday, wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play, given how terrible the Jeff's tur- Jets turf is. But again, this thing we talked about, his first matchup either against the Jets and whoever the hell they're going to play at wide receiver or Justin Jefferson. I'd like him to get a warm-up game against the Jets. I don't think he'll start, but I think he'll rotate in and out. Then we got the Dolphins and Bears. Yuck. And we got the Panthers and Bengals, Packers, Lions, Colts, Patriots, Vikings, Commanders, Raiders, Jags, Seahawks, Cardinals, Rams, Bucks, and then Sunday Night Football is Titans, Chiefs, and then Monday Night Football is Ravens, Saints. And for your bowl games this week, we have got the Bills and Jets, the We Hate Bill Belichick Bowl, because Bill Belichick obviously left the New York Jets the same day he got hired, pretty much, or a couple days later. It's a very funny clip of him leaving the Jets. In the same breath, getting Tom Brady. The Jets haven't beaten the Patriots in however many years. So, yeah, we hate the Bill. We hate Bill Belichick Bowl. We got the Chargers Falcons. We kind of had this game last year, but how the hell did we get here, Bull? Falcons have four wins, which is double the amount of wins I thought they'd have. And the Chargers have four wins. Which, um, when you consider two of their losses are to the Jaguars and Seahawks, it kind of, uh, Makes you scratch your head. I don't think a lot of people are saying that at the beginning of the year. The two of their losses be the Jaguars and Seahawks, both by double digits, though. 
So similar to what we said a couple weeks ago, Dolphins and Bears, the should have been 85 Super Bowl matchup, the one team to beat the 85 Bears that season when the Bears went 15-1 and and boat raced the Patriots. I've said that a lot this show. Beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. The Dolphins. Sadly, the Dolphins lost to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, and we had to be witness to whatever the hell that Super Bowl was in 85. So that's the, the should have been 85 Super Bowl matchup. Panthers-Bengals. The Kitty Cat Bowl, I guess. I mean, they're two cats. Yeah. <laughs> Packers-Lions. What do you want to say for this one? Packers-Lions, the... We hate Aaron Rodgers because <laughs> the Packers seem to hate Aaron Rodgers, so I mean, it fits. Colts-Pagers, the Brady-Manning matchup. Instead of Brady-Manning, it's Sam Ellinger versus Mac Jones, as everybody is waiting for. We got Vikings-Commanders, the Kevin O'Connell Bowl. He was the... he was. I don't know if he's the offensive coordinator, but he was a coach over the, with the Commanders for a little bit. Now he's the, obviously the head coach of the Vikings. Raiders and Jags. Oh, God. Um... Did Jack Del Rio coach the Raiders? I feel like Jack Del Rio coached the Raiders. I think he was the Raiders coach when, like, Derek Carr broke his leg and they lost to the Texans the first round. Uh, Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I know he was the coach of the Jaguars. That's what I was looking up for. So we got the Jack Del Rio Bowl or the Who's Moving to London First Bowl between the Jaguars and the, the Raiders. I know the Raiders moved to Vegas, but, hey, anything's possible with that team. They moved to, they were from Oakland, moved to to LA, to Oakland, to Vegas. I'm not ruling out anything. So they can move to Vegas. They moved to London. Seahawks, Cardinals. Oh my God. What is this stupid ass game going to be called? Um, The we need to update our uniforms bowl. I don't really like either one of their uniforms. Seahawks ones. A lot of people liked them when they first got released. I wasn't really a big fan of them, especially those nasty-ass neon green ones. Gross. Cardinals just need to update them. I'm not a massive fan of whatever the hell's going on in the shoulder area, shoulder armpit area, and just change it. Just do something. Rams, Bucks. Similarly, how the hell do we get here, Bull? Two teams that are expected to be near the Super Bowl. Both teams are near the bottom of their division behind teams that no one in their right mind thought would be above them. Like, people could have seen, like... I, the Saints or the Niners with this. No, 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 no. I mean, the Niners and Saints both are. Oh, I don't know about the Saints. What's the Saints record? Okay, they're joint with them, but the Niners are better than the Rams. Uh, it's the Seahawks and Falcons. Who the hell thought that would happen? Who the hell thought the Falcons would be up on the Bucks? And who the hell thought the Seahawks would be up on the the Rams? Not me. Not me. And then the Titans and Chiefs, they, they played quite a bit recently, but uh, I'm going to go with the Mariota throw-to-himself bowl. Mariota in the playoffs against the Chiefs and Arrowhead. Threw the ball, got deflected, caught it, scored a touchdown. Pretty cool. And then the Ravens and Saints. The, the Lamar Jackson Bowl. Because remember, I'm old enough to remember that uh, the Saints were like, hey, we got our own Lamar Jackson down here in Taysom Hill. Yeah, that, that that's worked out. We're going to watch Andy Dalton start Sunday. But we got our own Lamar Jackson down here in New Orleans. So, yeah, the Lamar Jackson Bowl. So just a recap of that. We got the We Hate Bill Belichick Bowl with the Chargers and Jets. We've got the How the Hell Did We Get Here Bowl 1.0, the Jets and with the Chargers and Falcons. We have got the Should Have Been 85 Super Bowl matchup between the Dolphins and Bears. We got the Kitty Cat Bowl between the Bengals and the Panthers. We got the We Hate Aaron Rodgers Bowl between the Packers and the Lions. We got the 
Jones-Ellinger rivalry, sure to be as good as Brady Manning, taking on between the Colts and Patriots. We've got the Kevin O'Connell Bowl with the Vikings and Commanders. We've got the Who's Mover to London First Bowl between the Raiders and the, Jag- and the Jaguars or the uh, Jack Del Rio Bowl. We've got the cha- Update Your Uniforms Please Bowl between the Seahawks and Cardinals. We've got the How the Hell Did We Get Here Bowl Mark II with the Rams and Buccaneers. We've got the Marcus Mariota throw to himself, score a touchdown in Arrowhead playoff matchup between the Titans and the Chiefs. And then we've got the, we have our own Lamar Jackson down here in New Orleans Bowl between the Saints and the Ravens. Do I have anything else that I really need to discuss today? Oh, all the injuries that are taking place before the World Cup is predictable and sad that it's happening. I hate it. There's so many injuries that are happening. And it's, again, obviously, you're playing, you're trying to get... You're in Champions League match. No one is thinking about the World Cup right now. You got Champions League matchups. Groups just got decided in the Europa League and Champions League. Like people aren't just looking at that. You're, the World Cup's got zero hype this year. Oh. Again, I dropped my lug nut thing. But yeah, a lot of injuries have been happening. I saw a lineup today for the U.S. I don't know who posted this. I think it was. It says CBS Sports on the bottom, but it's a uh, Turner, Net, Des Zimmerman, Reem, and Robinson in the back. I don't think that's too bad. Midfield three. It's never. No matter who you ask, it's never going to change. Adams, McKinney, Musa, going to stay that there. And then the this, this front three is interesting. It is Reyna on the left, Aronson on the right, and Pulisic in the middle. I would move, like, I understand to a certain extent Pulisic being in the middle because he played the midfield area when Berhalter first took over because you want your best players on the ball. So I could see him playing as like a number 10 at times throughout the World Cup. But I'd put Reyna, I mean, Reyna plays more on the, I guess, at club level. Reyna plays more on the left and Aronson on the right, but at international level, Reyna's played on the right and Aronson on the left. So, I don't know. Reyna might be better sued through the through the middle on that. He's the biggest one out of those three. He's like six foot two. He's a big dude. So, yeah. I think that's all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoy your weekend. I hope you listen to Cedar Falls Tigers versus the Valley Tigers on uh, Cruising KCFI for Cedar Falls. It gets a live stream. I'll post it on social media as well, at least on Snapchat. So, if you have me on Snapchat, make sure you listen to the game there. Make sure you watch all your favorite football teams play this weekend. Hope that uh, you're not too upset with Hendon Hooker being ranked lower than Will Levis by both myself and Mel Kuyper, but I hope I explained it well enough for you there. Hopefully. I don't know if I did or not, but I hope I did. So with that being said, I hope you liked the show. If you did not like the show, I apologize. We'll try to be better next time. But in the meantime, just make sure you're subscribed to the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on every form of social media. Go to theloganblackmanshow.com. You can check out blog posts on there. So you can check out the latest prospect rankings there. And with that, I will see you all later. Enjoy your weekend. Hope the Hawks, Cyclones, and the Panthers all get W's this week. And obviously, we hope for the Bills dub as well. So I will see you all later. Hope everybody stays healthy. Peace. Enjoy the show.